You're listening to the Finding Christ in the Old Testament series, preaching by Pastor Rick Dressler at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. 1 Kings chapter 3, begin at verse number 5. We'll be reading through to verse number 15. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out nor to come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast thou asked riches for thyself, nor hast thou asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words, lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways and keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father David did walk, Then I will lengthen my days. And Solomon awoke. Behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and offered peace offerings and made a feast to all his servants. This is the word of the Lord this morning. May God bless it as we look into it again today. Um, We are again in 1 Kings chapter 3. And we will be there for a long time, okay? And so, just to review from last week and move into where we're at this morning, we saw last week David's example. Solomon walked in the statutes of David his father as David walked after the Lord. And we're reminded again this morning for every believer in this room that God's plan for your life and my life is to grow up, is to mature in your faith, To come to a place in your life when you can say, follow me as I follow Christ. So we saw David's example. We saw a divided heart. Solomon loved the Lord, but Solomon loved other things as well. And we are reminded this morning that we are both sinners and saints at the same time. We love the Lord, and yet we know there are things that we love other than the Lord. There are passions and lust and desires that war for our hearts, and we understand that. So Jesus must become the main thing again, the central thing, 
preeminent so that as we look to him, the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And then last week we talked about a devoted Savior. That in the midst of this, God shows up to Solomon. He he arrives, he's there. In the midst of Solomon's life and his choices, his decisions, whatever, God comes, he shows up. And the reminder for us last week is that God shows up. In the midst of our victory, our defeat, our pain, our suffering, our joys, our trials, our sin, our consequences, and even in the mundaneness of this life, God shows up. And he is for us. If he is for us, who can be against us? And now this morning we're going to talk about the fourth point, I guess. There's probably more than that, but four for me. The desire for wisdom. I'm going to say something that I probably shouldn't say. Okay? And I love saying that because when I say it, two things happen. The first is people usually fall asleep in church, get moved forward a little bit, and think, okay, something really good is coming because he's going to say something he shouldn't say. So that's for you, all right? But the other thing is, my wife is mortified every time I say that because she has no idea what's coming, okay? So I'm going to say something I probably should not say about the message this morning. And here's what it is. It's in two parts, okay? Two parts. And the second part, which is next week, I'm really excited about. I'm really excited. I think it's fantastic. I mean, I think it really is Fantastic. And I don't mean that, okay, his head is this, but it's fantastic because of the truth. And I, and I almost want to preach it this morning. It's that good. It's fantastic. This message is not fantastic. I'm setting a low bar this morning. It's not fantastic. It's foundational. It's the template. Because if we don't get this, our understanding of where this leads to will be minimized. So, I don't know if that helps you. I, I probably just lost. It's like, okay, don't worry about this one. Next week will be better. Just, it's a low bar. But let's go into it this morning and see what happens. The desire for wisdom. Many of you folks, I'm sure, are familiar with the story of the Arabian Nights, also known as the Thousand and One Nights. It's a, it's a, it's a collection, actually, of stories um, from the Arabian Peninsula and India. Uh, and it's this collection that we really don't know who the author of these, this collection is, nor do we know um, the date. But interesting fact, as we think about um, Arabian Nights, the, the stories were originally set in Chinese. So... Fun fact for you, useless trivia. If you're ever on Jeopardy, you might use that. Um, it was originally Chinese, all right? That has nothing to do with anything. I just thought it was interesting, all right? And so uh, one of the most famous stories in that collection is the story of Aladdin. How many folks, you know the story of Aladdin, right? The story of Aladdin is a story of rags to riches, the street rat who's poor, impoverished, and all of a sudden he comes along this lamp, and in the lamp is this gin or this genie, and so he rubs the lamp, and when he rubs the lamp, the genie comes out and says, you can have three wishes. I have to tell you, as a young boy, I loved this story. 
I mean, I just loved it. And I would think to myself, hmm, three wishes. What would I wish for? Have you done that? I know it's childish, but I, it's like three wishes. What would I wish for? I think Disney probably has shaped our mind about this with Aladdin and Robin Williams playing the genie. Remember that? And he says, you've got three wishes, an X and A on the wishing for more wishes, right? Because that's what I would do. I think I would get my first two wishes, and then on the third one, I'd say, I wish for more wishes, right? Yeah, that's right. That's the way I would do it. And so I think about that story. I love that story, and certainly is childish, but that's the way it was. What if you had three wishes this morning? If you really had three wishes, what would you wish for? Now, let's just change it a little bit. What if the God of heaven came to you in a dream like Solomon and said, what do you want? Knowing the God of heaven and knowing that it could be yours. And he says, what do you want? Now, I don't want you to answer out loud, but I do want you to think. I mean, really think. And don't be the, you know, I want Jesus. Because this is what we do in church, right? It's like, I'd I be Jesus. But, no, I don't want that. I want, I want you to really think, if, if God were to come to you and say, what do you want? What would you wish for? What would you say? And I submit to you this morning that the answer to that question, whatever it is that just rolled in your mind, is a great revealer of who we really are. Right? Because whatever that was, if that thing that you could have right now reveals your priorities, what's important to you, your desires, and your true heart. What would you wish for? What do you want? And I'm sure the answer is this morning would be diverse and different depending on our needs, our age, our maturity, and where we find ourselves in life. Some would be substantial, and others would probably be foolish as we step away and look. But in this story, Solomon has been given that very opportunity. It's not a jinn. It's not a genie. It's the God of heaven. And he says, Solomon, what do you want? And of all the things that he could ask for, knowing that this is, God is saying, what do you want? Tell me. Solomon says, God... I need wisdom. And the Lord is pleased with what he's just said. So pleased that he provides it. You'll find that even though this is a dream for Solomon, in the verses that follow, and I would submit in the chapters that follow this, Solomon has been given wisdom from God, divine wisdom. And we see it in his name. How many times, even today, there's a dilemma and we say, oh my goodness, I need the, the wisdom of Solomon. 
Because now we even equate with his name the idea of wisdom. And I just wonder this morning how many of us, given the opportunity to ask for, for one thing, how many would said wisdom? How many was God? Not only, I don't, nothing else. This is the one thing, God, that I want. I want wisdom. Here's the truth of the matter. The other list of the things he doesn't ask for, riches, long life, and that my enemies get theirs, I'm more comfortable with that list. I, I can move in that list because that list sort of, yeah, yeah, that would probably be some of mine. And we just don't get it. Because it's strange to us. Of all the things, he asked for wisdom. So what's with this request? Why is it pleasing to the Lord? And does it even matter to us? Uh, Great story. That's cool. Let's move on. Well, from the text, we learn that Solomon realized that by God's mercy and by God's kindness, he was given a task. If you know the story, Solomon, in the birth order book, right, He's not next for the kingdom. Matter of fact, he's not the firstborn, the second, nor the third. So this was given to him. He was chosen by God to be the next king. So in God's goodness and God's kindness, Solomon is chosen, and he realizes that he is unable, on his own ability, to accomplish the task that God has given him. This means nothing. Don't get nervous. This is where I stop. Okay, Okay. so he realizes that He can't accomplish the task. And so in humility, he cries out. You say, I I, I didn't see the word humility there. Listen to what he says. God, I am but a child. Can I tell you something as a grown man? Being a child is not a good thing. If we say today of someone who is, a man who's in his 40s, say, oh, he's just a big kid. And what we mean by that is, doesn't have any responsibilities, sits on a sofa all day and plays games, that is not a compliment. That is a disgrace. We don't equate childhood as a thing of maturity and something we long for. And so, Solomon says, I'm a child. God, I don't know how to come in or to go out. And he is selfless. The request is not so much for him, but for God's people. And his faith and his humility and dependence and love for others pleases God. It pleases God. Now listen, here's the point this morning when we think about wisdom. I think for most of us, we hear this, we understand this, but but we just don't get it. And we don't see the importance or the value or why this is so important to Solomon and why today wisdom should be so important to us. And so I want to look at that this morning. First, I want you to notice this. The worth of wisdom is of more value than we can imagine. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 11. Listen to what the verse says. Wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that thou may be desired are not to be compared with it. Okay, so in our culture... We say the word rubies, and if you're from my generation, it's like, okay, Super Mario, rubies, no big deal. 
Candy Crush, no big deal. We don't understand that. But listen to me. When Solomon says wisdom is better than rubies, jewelry, rubies, sapphire, diamonds, whatever, meant that it was unbelievable wealth, so much so that you would spend your life searching to try to find this precious stone that would completely change your life. And Solomon says, wisdom is of more value than rubies, and then he goes on. And all the things that can be desired, listen to me. Think of all the things that we desire. All of them. I mean, the list goes on, right? Money, wealth, stuff, things, sex, success, vacations, cars, homes, you name it. We desire all of these things. The list goes on, and Solomon says... All of those things that you can think of that you desire right now can't even compare to wisdom. And we still think, what? You've got to be kidding me. And he's not. You can't compare it. Its worth is more than we can imagine. And the reason is, is because wisdom involves everything that we do. Everything. In this world, you and I are either going to live foolishly or wisely. I I want you to see this text in Deuteronomy chapter 10 this morning. And and bear with me. Some of you are going to be, you're you're sitting here right now thinking, I don't know where you're going. This is going to be confusing. I'm not sure. Don't check out now. All right? There's already a spirit of sort of sleepiness this morning. I heard a young child while we were singing, I'm so tired. Right? And I thought I heard adults saying amen as they were pulling him out of here. Okay? So if you're tired, and if you're sleepy now, just wake up for a second, because you've got to catch this. And, and you're going to think, I don't know where he's going, but there's a purpose now. Okay? So, the worth of wisdom is more than we can imagine. More than we can imagine. And here's the reason, because it has to do with everything that we do our entire lives. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, sounds familiar, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day, now watch, for thy good, for thy good. So here's the list. God says, here's what I expect. I expect you to fear the Lord. And then he goes through the list. To love, to serve, to obey. It's good for you. So stay with me now. The fear of the Lord is what? It's the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. And so what God is saying is, listen. Here's my desire that you fear me. There is awe, there is reverence for the God who is because I see him for who he is and as I see him for who he is, then as my Lord, I love him, I obey him, I serve him, I follow him. These things all go together. They all go together. Why? Because life on earth, apart from knowing the God of heaven, is senseless And foolish. 
And I don't care what you have, what you make, what you're accomplishing, who you are. Without the God of heaven, this life and this world does not make any sense. And that's what the the writer of Ecclesiastes tells us. The whole book tells us that. He says, Hevel. Hevel in Hebrew. All is Hevel. Vanity of vanities. All is Hevel vanity. And and the word is, it's a vapor. And the writer says, under the sun, as we're living under the sun, apart from God, as I look at life, it's like smoke. Right? My dad was a smoker. He's still a smoker. He smoked his entire life. I think he started when he was eight years old. Will not give it up. Give it a couple times, and then he got crabby because he was hungry, and and then he gained weight, and he said, I'm just going to smoke. So that's my dad. But he's smoking. (sighs) Puff of smoke. And then he got into pipes, which were better. They smelled better. You know smoke? Try to grab the smoke. It looks solid. It is not. And the writer says, apart from God in this life, that's what it's like. Because life is transitory, it is fleeting, and it is an enigma. It doesn't make sense. You know this. I know this. We live our life, and it's all good. There's a little saying that they sell on shirts, life is good. Life is good. And then all of a sudden, the shoe drops. It's like, I didn't see that coming. I didn't expect that report. Didn't want to hear that. And in a moment, it changes. Oh, you got your hand on life, do you? No, you don't. It's a smoke. And then it's an enigma because we see bad things happen to good people. It's like, this doesn't make sense. The sweetest woman I know. The most godly man I know. And now trouble? And then bad people, my goodness. I mean, they're like the tree planted. I mean, they're fruitful and nothing's wrong. They have money in the bank and their kids are happy. And it's like, what is going on here? The writer says, finding meaning and purpose in life, apart from God, there is no meaning, and there is no significance. So stay with me. So, when he says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it means that when my perspective of God is right, right, when I fear him, it's the beginning of wisdom because I see him for who he is, and I see myself for who I am. And it's the God who is. Listen to me. We... We talk about idolatry this morning. We think, I would never make a little idol of wood and worship that. Oh, our hearts are idol factories. And for many of us, this God that we worship is a God who never, ever disagrees with us. He thinks everything we say and do is great. Can I tell you something? That is not the God of the Bible. That is a God that, that you have created in your own heart and mind it probably is, as Keller says, an idealized version of yourself. That God doesn't exist anywhere except in your head. That is not the God of heaven. God is not who you think he is. God is who he said he is. And so, when I see him for who he is, I see him as the Lord. God, sovereign, 
king of the universe, the great I am, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the God who is love and joy and peace and patient and immutable, the eternal one. I see him for who he is, and this Lord loves me. And I should love him. And this accurate view of myself and my God helps me understand real wisdom. This is where it starts. And this is the filter. And so wisdom is the right use of knowledge. It is knowing what is right and helpful in situations of life. That's what biblical wisdom is. And, and that knowing what's right and what to do and helpful doesn't, and listen, it doesn't mean the prosperity gospel that, oh, I need wisdom so I'll be healthy and wealthy and wise. That's not it. The truth is, when I follow God's wisdom, as I see him for who he is and myself for who I am, and I follow his plan, sometimes and often to be right with God means I'm going to be wrong with other people. And there are consequences for that. Sometimes integrity and honesty and goodwill are punished in this world. But it's still helpful and right because our perspective is eternal. Wisdom is how we live life now. And so, when Solomon asked for wisdom, he's asking for everything. We had rules for our boys as they're growing up. We said in our house there are only three rules, only three. And the rules were no hitting. There were three boys. They weren't allowed to resolve things by punching each other. Now, they're allowed to punch each other. They boxed, they wrestled. And they could do that, but not to resolve conflict. No hitting. No lying. Don't let your kids lie. You cannot help a liar. Ever. Ever. And the last one was no direct disobedience. Now listen to me. The no direct disobedience covers everything. <laughs> so, so we could say we only have one rule because that was it. it. It was an umbrella of everything. And what I'm telling you this morning is this. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. That's the fear of the Lord, seeing him, seeing myself, and understanding. This interacts with everything that we say and do. So this morning, if you want to know which direction to go, you need wisdom. If you want to know what decision to make, you need wisdom. If you want to resolve a conflict the right way, you need wisdom. If you want to know how to lead a woman as a husband, you need wisdom. If you want to know how to be the wife that God has called you to be, you need wisdom. If you want to be the man or woman God has ordained you to be, you need wisdom. If you want to know how to work, how to play, how to live, and how to die, you need wisdom. So wisdom is not this mediocre request from Solomon. It is the most important. And listen to me. Look around. In this world without wisdom, here's what it produces. Brokenness, sadness, loss, conflict, injustice, war, and death. A matter of fact, one of God's judgments on his people as they turned from him was this. I'm going to give you children to lead you. Why? Because there's no wisdom there. And you're headed for disaster. And so this morning, I would hope and pray that you and I can understand Solomon's request for wisdom was everything. And this morning, we need wisdom. So, I hope that you're convinced that you need it. Here's how you get it. Number one, we must request it. 
As God's children, he wants us to have it. We must request it. You say, well, I've got my, do we call them GDs, general diplomas? Is that what they call them here? No. What do they call them here? The grade 12. Is there any name for it? It's just grade 12. High school, okay. Thanks. See, I don't even know what it is. Okay, so I got my high school diploma. I have my bachelor's degree. I've got my MA. I've got my BA. I've got my BS, Bachelor of Science. I've got, that's what it is. That don't, don't, don't. That's what it is. You people are bad. I, Bachelor of Science. I've got my PhD. Oh, I've got my, you know, have you seen my Mensa score? It's 147. I'm a genius. What do I need to ask for wisdom? Because knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing. They're people, really smart people, and they can't work their way out of a wet paper bag. They don't know how to live life, man. And you see over and over again, wisdom, we must request it. You know the verse, James chapter 1, we were here just not too long ago on a Sunday night with Pastor Dan. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. Right? And in the context, he's talking about the, the purifying work of trials in our life, asking for wisdom. But all wisdom comes from an all-wise God, and we need it. And believers, it's an act of faith. It's me saying, God, this is who you are, this is who I am, and I believe that you are good and that you are a rewarder of them that diligently seek you, Hebrews 11, 6. And so, God, I'm asking for wisdom. And the Bible says our God gives good gifts, and he gives them liberally. He wants you to have it. Now, listen to me. God wants you to have wisdom. You. If, okay, you, 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 especially you, you, you it sounds good, man. You. The idea is it's not just, well, they're so wise. No, he says if any man, if any woman asks for it, God says, I will give it to you. Like Solomon, Lord, I need this. I have to have this. Give it to me. And he wants you to have it. Too many times Christian people think, well, i got to go here and go there. If you went to a Christian bookstore, there'd be so many how-to books that they would think Christians don't know what they're doing. And God says, if you ask, you, not the pastor, not the elder, not the deacon, not the Sunday school teacher, you ask for wisdom God will give it to you. And we need it. We need it. You need it. And I need it. Think about what we ask for. Think about our prayer life. Does this ever come up? God, I need this. And not that those aren't legit needs. I get it. But when's the last time we said, God, you know what I need? I need wisdom. I need your Wisdom, we are to ask for it, to ask for it, right? We need wisdom. So we request it, and number two, we have to read and let the word of God register in our hearts and lives. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning, verse number 14. 2 Timothy 3, 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. So catch that. Continue. 
Timothy, Paul says, continue, continue, continue. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. We request it. We go to the word because the word is able to make us wise unto life eternal. Just a little side note here. This morning, I don't know your spiritual life, but let me tell you something. This morning, you will never see heaven's gates, the face of the Savior. You will never be born again. If you think that you're getting there because of what you do, too many people who know of Christianity believe somehow because they're a good person. And here's the fact. We can do good things. There are lots of people outside of the church who do wonderful things. But if I think that being a good dad, a good provider, good in the neighborhood, you know, following the rule, the golden rule, if I think somehow that is going to merit my salvation, that God's going to be pleased with that, and when we get there someday, the scales will be weighed and the good will outweigh the bad and the doors will open, my friend, you are in for a rude awakening. Because all of our righteousnesses, if we're counting them, God, look what I'm doing, are like filthy rags in his sight. Listen to me. I don't care how good you are. God sees your heart. He sees my heart. He sees the lust, the greed, the motives, the evil within. It's before his face constantly. And you and I have offended a holy God. We don't like to hear the term, you're a sinner. That's offensive. Can I tell you something? We are all sinners. We have all turned our back on God. We've rebelled against him. We are sinners by nature. We are sinners by choice. We are sons and daughters of Adam. And we've said, God, you will not rule over us. If that offends you, listen, I do not care. Because you have offended a holy, righteous, just God. The eclipse was a while back, right? And some of you foolish people looked up at it to try to see if you could see it, even though you were told not to. So smart, aren't we? Looking at that will burn your eyes out. And we think that the God who created that sun, you're going to stroll into his presence and present how good you are in front of him? You're a fool. It's not happening. We are sinners. We are in need of a Savior. And so we look to the Scriptures because the Scripture tells us there is none good, no, not one. Listen. The good news of the Bible isn't good if we're not sinners. Salvation means I was saved from something. What we're saved from is the wrath of God. And so we look to scriptures, they make us wise unto salvation. But now catch this. He's talking to Timothy. And he says to Timothy, continue in the things which you have learned and heard that the scripture makes us wise unto salvation. The fact is, for the believer, we need to go to the scriptures and understand it makes us wise unto salvation. I was saved as a little boy. I am saved. And someday I will be saved. But do you know something right now? I am being saved. I am being saved. And I've got to understand this gospel that we preach. People are, ah, I'm just tired of hearing about the gospel. Let's move on from the gospel. There is no moving on from the gospel. How do we move on from a gospel who says we're sinners in need of a Savior? Jesus Christ died for us. He clothed us with his righteousness. I stand in him complete this morning. There is no fear, no condemnation. I have hope, assurance, peace. 
because of the gospel. And when the church moves away from the gospel, we have a club. Not a church. And can I tell you something? I ain't interested in no club. I don't even like clubs. I was in the Boy Scouts. They kicked me out. It's true. They didn't do what they want me to do. They kicked me out. I hate clubs. I ain't looking for a club, man. I'm looking for the church of Jesus Christ. It's a gospel. It makes us wise unto salvation, but then it makes us wise in everyday life. He goes on there, 2 Timothy 3, after verse 15, he says 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the Bible trains us. It is God-breathed. So, I fear the Lord, beginning of wisdom, why? I see him for who he is. And then it's God breathed. The God who revealed himself through scriptures gives us scripture to know him, how to live and how to act and how to behave. behave. It is wisdom. It's wisdom. The Bible is for our training. Folks, listen to me this morning. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing. I was 18 years old. Two weeks into my 18th birthday, and I'm standing at an altar. Big white tuxedo on, thinking, she ain't coming. She ain't coming. Had no idea at 18 years old what in the world I was doing. None. And then we go from there, 4,000 miles away from home, by ourselves. No computers, no phone. Live with a German couple, didn't speak any English other than cheeseburger. That's a long conversation. Seriously. She worked in a concern, and she said, she knew cheeseburger. We didn't know what we were doing. And then our firstborn comes along. I, I remember going down to the car to pick her up. We fastened little AJ in the back seat, and, and we looked, both of us looked behind at him as the nurses left, and then we looked at each other, and we said, what did we just do? But we had no idea what we were doing. And then to raise three different living souls, and they're not the same. It's, we don't know what we're doing. And then you take them off to university, right? This is real natural. After 18 years in your house, you take them off, and you put them up in a room, and you say goodbye to them, and you drive away. It's the most horrible thing you will ever have to do. Honestly, you've been there. We drove our kids 10, 11 hours away. First one, second one. Third one's not allowed to leave. Um, and so, really, really, I ain't doing that again. No, no. We cried for an hour. Didn't even, we didn't even talk to each other. And then for the next hour, we said nothing. Just driving home, tears. We don't know what we're doing. This thing of life that we live, we go through and we navigate through victory and fights and illness and loss and change. And we don't know. And what we did know is this. God, we need your wisdom. I don't know what I'm doing. Please, God, help me. Help us to navigate this. Wisdom is found in his word. Christian, listen to me. And it's not just reading. We've been talking about this. Um, Go read your three chapters and five on Sunday. Stop it. Stop it. Go read the word and then apply the word to your life and do what it says. And and help me with this. How is it that we say, the fear of the Lord, this is God, you're the Lord, I love you, I'm going to serve you and obey you, but 
I'm going to pick and choose part of the scriptures that I like. And what's rubbing me wrong right now, ah, that's not really for me. What are we doing? And we wonder why our lives are a mess and none of it makes sense. We have problems galore and we can't figure it out because we've looked at the word, we've ignored the word, and now we're paying for it because we're foolish. It's foolish. We must let the word register. We request it and we register it. This auditorium, it used to be worse. We used to come here with just a long box. There were no windows. But I want to tell you something. At night, when, it's, when the lights are off in here and it's dark in here, it's really dark. And a couple weeks ago, I was in here, and I had to go get my notes, and I thought, I'm going to save electricity. The Dutch are wearing off on me. And so I thought, just save electricity. So I walk in the room, and I'm coming up on the platform, and it's I mean, black, 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 pitch black. I come up here. I never saw this thing. I never. I wish I had those glasses now. I never saw this thing. And I'm flying. And I hit this thing, and I'm not kidding you. I don't know how many times I rolled. <laughs> I rolled, man. I rolled all over the platform. It's like, you know, and when you get in your 40s, rolling's not cool anymore. <laughs> and they broke something. Right? And I could have used, I could have used some illumination. I could have used my phone, actually. But even if I had used my phone and kept it in front of my face, I still would have missed this thing. And here's what we do as Christians. We take the word of God and we illuminate our intellect. And we need to be holding that illumination at our feet in our practice. Psalm 119, 105. Lord, your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. Christian, I don't know if it's been conveyed this morning, but here's the point. Wisdom's everything. It's everything. And you're either going to live foolishly, as far as God's concerned, or wisely. God wants you to have wisdom. He, it's his desire for you. And he's good. He'll give it to you. But you've got to read and register that word in your heart and life. And when we do, it becomes a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path.